Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is the podcast where we give you our thoughts after we've watched something. I am your host, John Garcia. Joining me tonight is Michael Dixon. What's up, John? I'm excited to talk about this weird, trippy anime movie that Ryan made us watch. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited. Um, and I, let's hear from the man himself who picked it. Uh, also joining us is Ryan King. Ryan King, everybody. A man of few words. Uh, Wait, where, where's Ryan? Where? Yeah, hold on. Uh, hold on. Let me just call real quick. All right. I'm, I'm sure it's just a misunderstanding. Yeah. Hello. Oh, yeah, it's me. Um, where is he? What do you mean? What do you mean he didn't get? What do you mean he's not here? He's not going to be here? But did he watch the movie? No. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, okay, thanks. All right, yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, Dixon, I got news. Uh-oh, um, what happened? Uh, Ryan, um, Ryan didn't watch the movie, and he can't be here tonight. Wow. This <sighs> motherfucker picked the movie, made us watch it, and now you're telling me he's not coming here to discuss it tonight. Not at all. No. Wow. He, yeah, wow. It's unprecedented, everybody. Um, this is some bullshit. Well, uh, fuck it. We should just talk about something else. Yeah. Shit. What? Um, talk about a, a different movie. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should, uh, let's not do mind game. Um, fuck it. Let's, what's a movie that I we honestly, both watched recently? I honestly let's, don't even know what to say about mind game. I couldn't even tell you what happened. It me was either. so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, um, not really knowing what happened and it's so fucking weird. I think there's one movie that we both watched recently that we could talk about. Oh, what are you thinking? I know, I know you've been hounding me for this, but what if we talked about Jim Cotta? His name, Jonathan Cabot. His title, World Gymnastics Champion. His assignment, a secret mission for the United States government. His only weapon, himself. And that's all he needs. Jim Cotta. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> oh. I've been wanting you to talk about this and recommend a refute for months now. All so. right, everybody. We're going to give the people what they want. Uh, <laughs> by the people, I mean Michael Dixon. Hey. Um, Fuck yeah. you, Ryan. Fucking hey. Let's, let's talk about Jim Cotta, everybody. Uh, Jim Cotta is uh, a 1985, would you qualify it as a martial arts film? It's a subtle blend of the martial arts of the East, the fighting skills of the West. You know karate and... Your own special gymnastics. Uh, sure, why not? It seems to be in that genre, even if it's not doing real martial arts. It's definitely not a kung fu film. Yeah. <laughs> which is an interesting genre distinction. It's like a um, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, you know, that kind of martial arts film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim Cotta, we, we talked about it briefly here and there. Um, it's a martial arts film directed by Robert Klaus, and it's based on... Dan Tyler Moore's 1957 novel, The Terrible Game, which I have not read. Oh, my God. It's based on a book. It's based on a book. And you know who probably read that book? Ryan. But he's not here. <laughs> he's not here to talk about the books he read that were adapted into movies. <laughs> I am very curious to know if the book is also about a gymnast turned CIA asset or if it's just like a not gymnastics involved at all. I, I, I would bet 
dollars to donuts that there is definitely gymnastics in that book. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be wrong, I'm sure. I, I could see them being like, oh, this is a, you know, Cold War bullshit coup novel about Reagan shit. And like, but what if we've got this gymnast? He's interested. What if we rewrite the script and we just put a bunch of gymnastics in the movie? Yeah, I, that's absolutely what the fuck this movie is. Thank yeah. you for reading out the synopsis <laughs> for me, Dixon. Uh, yeah, so Jim Cotta is um, the story of uh, Jim Cotta. He's uh, a humble man. <laughs> and I don't a, think that was his name, but I'm going to allow it. I we're, mean, we're first name Jim, that. last name Cotta. Everybody yeah, knows that's exactly. on the birth certificate. He uh, came out kicking and swinging and uh, flipping <laughs> and pommel horsing. Um, <laughs> if I could pommel horse the doctor right in the face, probably when he's born. <laughs> you really shouldn't birth children on pommel horses. I thought, I thought that we stopped doing that in this country. A hundred years ago, but apparently so weird. occasionally you hear about that when a baby comes out on the pommel horse and just starts kicking around and I, it gets dangerous. Yeah. I, I'm in awe of the fact that, you know, I heard when Jim Cotta was born, um, that they pushed the stirrups out of the way and they brought a pommel horse out specifically just for him. Like, Oh yeah. His, his parents request, I suppose. Um, he, there was a prophecy that he would be a, a little gymnast. So, uh, it, Jim Cotta is an Olympic gymnast, um, uh, played by, uh, Kurt Thomas who, um, is, uh, he's, he's not a medal. He's not a gold medalist. He's, he's a, a world champion gymnast. Yeah. Yeah. World champion, but he not was a going gold to be medalist. in the Olympics when we boycotted it. And so he didn't get a chance to actually win a gold medal, but that, he's a yeah. world champion. Unlike Mitch Gaylord, who is a gold medalist and starred in American rickshaw. That's no. just a fun aside. There were several movies in the eighties with gymnasts in them, <laughs> uh, which is bring them back. Everybody, honestly, that sounds right. Um, yeah. So Jim Cotta is the story of Jim Cotta, and he is a humble uh, Olympic medalist uh, who, or world champion, fuck it, whatever, um, who is conscripted by the CIA uh, or some other organization that fronts as being the CIA. I don't remember. They don't really say who they are. I don't are. think they identified the organization, but it's clearly, clearly the, the fucking CIA. CIA. Yeah, yeah, obviously. They're not having him do anything in the States, which would be the FBI. Uh, uh -huh. And so... <laughs> well, the CIA is everywhere, so... They, yeah, you know, dude, there was a pommel horse. They're undermining <laughs> things here at home, too, so... I heard there was a pommel horse on the grassy knoll. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, um, yeah, If so. you slow down the Sapruder film real so you can see a foot come into frame... <laughs> it's very quick. It leaves the screen right away. But yeah, right Oliver there. Stone's looking into it. We're going to figure it out. Oh, man. Um, yeah, Jim Cotta, he's conscripted by the CIA to, to not overthrow the government of Parmistan, but to compete in their Hunger Games, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and if he wins their Hunger Games, then, which is really just a triathlon. Let's be real about it. Okay. This is like baby's first coup. Yeah. I don't understand what the plan is, but they're like, oh, we need somebody to go into Parmistan, a totally real country that's not based on anything. It's a tiny mountain nation in the middle of the Hindu Kush range. It's not a com combination of Parmesan and Pakistan. Yeah, it's definitely not, not at all. It's not that. Somebody didn't spill some Italian food on a map and, and come up with this name. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and so they, uh, chicken Parmistan, <laughs> <laughs> they, the, the CIA decides, Hey, you know, um, we want you to learn martial arts and combine it with your deadly gymnastics and go into this country, win their triathlon and their fucking sack race and whatever <laughs> else they have. The ropes course. <laughs> yeah. The ropes course. Um, 
And then when you talk to their their king uh, or dictator, who's played by not Mel Brooks, but like Marv Brooks. If you'll excuse me now, gentlemen, I must go play king for my people. Um, he looks just like Mel Brooks. So yeah. like Mel Brooks. Uh, same mannerisms uh, <laughs> and everything. Yeah. He's got a funny hat. When you win this, you, you get like a Willy Wonka's golden ticket to do whatever you want to in that country. They give you <laughs> one wish, I guess. Anyone who enters Pamistan must play the game. If he wins, he's allowed his life and one request. No outsider has won the game in over 900 years. And they were like, can you pretty please for Uncle Sam make that wish that we can have the Star Wars program accessible over Parmistan, which I didn't think that you needed permission to put satellites in space, especially yeah. when the country that you're dealing with holds a triathlon every year from a Gothic castle with no technology inside <laughs> anywhere. I don't think that they could see. I think their missile defense system is a bunch of archers that are on the highest castle they could build. Yeah, no, that's definitely what it is. Um, and and we all know that the United States legally owns space. Like everybody knows that we planted we our flag force. in the moon. That means we own all of space. We don't need people's permission to spy on them with satellites. That, yeah, that's horseshit. Those colors don't bleed, but they do bleach because of the sun and the cosmic rays. <laughs> uh, but nobody pay attention to that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, it, basically Jim Cotta just trains uh, really hard, goes to this triathlon, gets into some trouble, and uh, the rest is history. Um, in some alternate timeline, I'm sure it actually happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Dixon, you shared this movie with me. I did. Um, and now I'm here proudly presenting it as a host of the show <laughs> uh, because I've seen it uh, three times in the past two months. Um, and maybe there's a fourth time thrown in there somewhere. I'm not sure. I'm impressed, John. I'm very happy for you that you love this movie so much. I've been trying to get you to watch it for Schlocktober for years, and I finally just gave you the DVD this year, and I was like, here, you need, you need to have this. This, is, yeah. this belongs in your home. I need to get a P.O. box, because that's the key. You know, If you want <laughs> me to watch something out there, just send it to me, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's really what I got to get. <laughs> John is not above begging the listeners to send him free Blu-rays. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> For just the price of one Blu-ray, you too could make a man suffer with whatever you send him. Uh, <laughs> and he will talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> um, I know that usually on other episodes, the movie that we're bringing, it, it, it's held in high regards and high esteem. And I hold this one well, in, in highest regards, too. Um, <laughs> when you pick the movies, not always, John. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. Of course. Well, I always hold them in high regard and high esteem. True, true. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so th this movie, I feel like um, the score is not good. Uh, the score is very by the numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, it almost feels like, like a, like an old TV show score, um, from kind of what I remember. And, uh, we, we watched a few clips right before this episode, um, because we are recording under these uh, extraordinary circumstances and, uh, there where was Ryan just decided not to show up to the recording. Yes. And, uh, yeah, we're not bitter about it at all. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, he yeah, can like, die in a ditch for all I care. <laughs> yeah. And we're not bitter about that at all no. either. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it, it, we, we just decided, hey, you know what? We've both seen Jim Cotter recently. Um, and Dixon was like, I need a refresher. And my mind's a steel trap for trash. So I was like, I don't. I can you tell also you watched everything. it like last week. So there's It's that. true. <laughs> but also I've watched so many other movies like months ago. And I was just quoting Raging Boldy recently. Yeah. <laughs> it was like trying to get to the T of that. But um, yeah, the score in this movie, not that great. Uh, it's obviously kind of like more of a, I guess a Canon film would have the same kind of score where 
really trying hard. This it feels is an like, MGM movie. Yeah, I was amazed Wild. that it's an MGM movie. Like, But then again, I've seen a lot of the other movies of MGM from the 80s, and they mm-hmm. had a period of time where they were like, you mean we could just crank shit out? Like, they were like Blumhouse for like the 80s. They were just like, we could just crank cheap shit out. Gymnastic exploitation. And there we go. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, uh, of course, you, you you get what you get when you buy a movie called Gymkata. Uh, <laughs> and... And that's a bunch of like keyboard horns and synth music and some other stuff came out in 1985. So I don't know what you really expect from this kind of movie. Yeah. Um, and the choreography is weak, except for the gymnastics. The gymnastics are excellent. Okay, folks like that man. Kurt Thomas is very talented. Yes. Jim Cotta is uh, a medalist. If ever there was one, just not a gold one. Um, Not the New York Nick Kurt Thomas. Very important clarification. The the world champion gymnast, Kurt Thomas. (laughs) I always get those confused. Mm -hmm. It always happens. Uh, And um, so like anytime that there's a scene where fights break out, he does some cool shit, some cool Jim Cotta shit where he flips three times before he kicks a dude. Um, and he doesn't even really kick the dude. The dude just falls over in surprise, and then he slams an apple crate on their head. Yeah. Oftentimes, there are multiple feet between Jim Cotta's foot and the assailant's head, and the bad guy flips over in agony e- anyway. So uh, Yeah, I think that this movie is really trying to teach you how to spot the distance between choreographed <laughs> moves. Like, I think uh, a long time ago, we watched Death Promise. And Death Promises choreography comes way closer between the actors oh, yeah. than Jim Cotta does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, choreography, not strong. The acting, please. He's an Olympic medalist. <laughs> of course he knows how to act. They were waiting for me. Oh. The place was on alert. These people have spies everywhere. Lots of years to the ground. What the hell is this, Stork? What did you forget? None of this stuff has been done. Nothing's been packed. He just doesn't know how to act well. (laughs) And so uh, a lot of this movie is him trying to have a reaction, but it feels like a sitcom. Like, I'm pretty sure you could slap some of this into like a Seinfeld score. These people have spies everywhere. Lots of years to the ground. What the hell is this, Stork? (laughs) What did you forget? None of this stuff has been done. Nothing's been packed. There's a lot of comedy built into it that is just like there. He's into this attractive woman, but she like fights and has a knife. And isn't that crazy that like she would actually, um, you know, potentially be dangerous or something? Yeah. Trust no one is frequently <laughs> uttered in this movie. And it's but every she's time, a lady. Yeah. Like, well, what's going on? And he they're like, this is the princess of Parmistan that you have to meet. Um uh, well, Dixon, what are you? How, what are your feelings about this movie? Because I, I loved it. Yeah, I had a great time. Uh huh. Honestly, but you, you shared it with me. You yeah, it to I me. mean, this movie is fucking insane, and I knew, I knew you would love it. So I'm, I'm very glad that you have, have now watched it three times in the past two months or, or four. You said potentially. Um, the movie's fucking wild. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, like I feel like the 1980s too is what like gymnastics seems bigger than like, you know, think about like Mary Lou Retton and these figures from the eighties that people still talk about. And so the fact that they're kind of capitalizing on that and doing Reaganist imperialist bullshit and trying to overthrow other countries and stuff is just like, just very, very, very 1985. Um, and it's just, the the movie is hilarious, like not intentionally, um, just like, you know, he's always fighting bad guys and there's you know six of them circled around him and only one of them approach him at a time 
And, you know, there's just like conveniently placed gymnastic equipment throughout the country of Parmistan where just, yeah. oh, he's being chased down a very narrow alley and turns out there's a high bar just conveniently. And it's pre-chalked. Yeah, pre-chalked <laughs> high bar that's just sitting there ready to go. Uh, and he can just spin around and kick people unexpectedly rounding the corner very quickly. Yeah. Whether they be friend or foe. He doesn't care. But uh, he always knows if they're friend or foe somehow, maybe. After Except he kicks for one them. guy. He kicked yeah. one dude who was a friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a pommel horse in the middle of a town square. Why? I don't fucking know. It's just there. Uh, so he can do cool shit on it. You know, it's just, it's, it's that kind of movie where it's just stupid as shit, but it's so funny because of that. Um, the, you know, ropes course thing they have to do to win the fucking Hunger Games deal is very dumb and like you get to the basically the end of it like the the opening shot of the movie is this dude trying to traverse this canyon on this rope and just being shot with arrows until he dies and falls to his death and so then you then when Jim Cotta ends up doing it you're like oh we're at that part of the ropes course now where everyone's just going to shoot him with arrows when he's unarmed hanging above this abyss and it's really um, early on too. You're like, oh wow, they're already there. Yeah. Like, okay. It sure. seems like that would be like the you know the final part of of the course where you just have to get lucky and not get shot by the dozens of arrows that are flying at you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the whole thing is very very stupid and very very fun. Um, so I, I I quite enjoyed it. Let's talk about that opening because that opening it really sets the stage. Mm-hmm for the fact that you're about to see action and you're about to see gymnastics. Yes. And that because it starts off with like a heartbeat where it's like, dum, 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 dum. and you're watching like hands chalked and they're swirling around a fucking bar <laughs> and it's interspliced with that dude running away from a man who looks like Lin-Manuel Miranda crossed with Kevin Sorbo in Hercules. Um, and, and Lin-Manuel Hercules is like, shoot him down and can like, lets those guys, fly those arrows. Uh, and I remember just being very perplexed by what I was seeing. Cause it would frequently intersplice that with the hands rotating around the bar. Yeah. Weird editing. Yeah. And like some really shaky, just like, I don't know the, the, the actual like setup and the shot and framing of it is like not appealing from the gymnastic standpoint. I guess they were just, I really think that somebody in cinematography was like, how do we, um, how do we make gymnastics look fucking dope while we're about to kill a man over a gorge? Mm. Um, and then the man dies, uh, and we we have no context of who that man is, nope. what he does, why he was there, other than, you know, Lin-Manuel Hercules just has to kill dudes, I guess, and he must be our bad guy, and somehow Jim Cotta's going to make his way there. Um, <laughs> we watch his, his ragged doll corpse fall to the ground, hit the water, and there we go. We're off to the races, because it's like the next scene takes place in Grandma's house, <laughs> and it has, like, doilies on, like the table and they have a teapot and uh jim Cotta's there and he's like trying to i guess relax and the cia dude is like hey we're gonna talk to you about a super secret government operation come over here to nana's reading nook and (laughs) we'll we'll show you a light bright that has images (laughs) we've we've arranged on it and this fucking guy is like we're gonna send you to parmistan to give to compete in this crazy event and you're gonna have to learn you know, Jim Cotta and do all this crazy fight stuff. You got any questions? And he's like, no, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> like, and what he, the fuck? He's, he's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That CIA dude. He was like, well, I think his only question is, uh, why don't you just send in like seal team six or some shit? He's like, mm. why don't you send a military operation? in?" and the guy's like, please, 
we need something subtle with tact. <laughs> yeah, he's, so, he's like, wars are out of style now. We have yeah. to put one man, if we send in one very competent gymnast, he could take down this whole country for <laughs> yes. us. And he's like, you're, you're already in your peak physique and you do gymnastics. So you're ripe for doing like martial arts and learning how to fight with a bow staff. That's just a poplar you bought at Home Depot. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, they, they give that brief and then he meets princess. What's her name? And, uh, they fall in love immediately and you just know somehow they're going to end up mm-hmm. together. But there's no time for that because we have to do the slowest montage I've ever seen in my life. That montage, there's no music like this is the <laughs> 80s. OK, like got fucking Rocky Four right around the corner and we're already done. And I can't remember which year it came out in, but it's just like that had some bomb music and it has like 80 montages that movie's mm. like a hundred percent montage almost i think rocky three came out around the same time oh, okay yeah and with that one's got and... great montages yeah. yeah and then four was just a remix mm. <laughs> with with russians in it <laughs> um and here you have like jim kata not even doing the training like you would think in the montage most of, all of it would be him learning and evolving but there's a whole scene where you just watch a dude who's blindfolded try to almost circumcise himself with some like blades <laughs> And he doesn't do it, but Jim Cotta's like, wow, that's impressive. And that's the scene. There's nothing else for, for Jim Cotta to do. No. He never learns it. He gets he runs behind a dude on a Clydesdale. He does some monkey bars. And then and he's, he's ready to go. He's fucking off to Parmistan. Oh, he climbs, mm. he climbs the stairs on his hands. That's right. That's oh, yes. the only other thing he does. And a very weird overhead shot where you you're see. like really close to seeing his balls. Yeah, you get to see Jim's these Cotta. these little 80s shorts. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and his package is like right in front of the camera lens oh. as he walks under. But yeah, like that's amazing. It all happens in like 10 minutes. And then they go to not Parmistan. Like that's the scene after is they go to some other place. Because they're like, we have a, a, an informant here who's going to save you. And he looks like Vladimir Lenin. And he's got all these guns and he like lives in a salt mine yeah. <laughs> where two extras are constantly hitting salts <laughs> with shovels. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and the whole reason that they go there is so that Princess What's-Her-Name can be kidnapped and Jim Cotta can save her to show you how he's a badass. And mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever talked about we haven't talked about Redline on this, have we? Like, no, uh, we not not in a formal capacity, but mm-hmm. everybody out there, the anime called Redline that's absolutely insane, and it has an opening ten minute sequence called Yellow Line, where <laughs> it just shows you how insane the movie's going to be, and it's like all the people racing, and it's think about like Speed Racer or uh, Fast and the Furious. I try not like, to think about Speed Racer. Yeah, I know you try not to, but <laughs> it, it's somewhere between Fast and the Furious and Speed Racer, and there's cocaine thrown in visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of how Redline can be described. Jim Cotta's trying to do that same thing from that structure. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I, I just don't even know why it would attempt to be like, this guy's a badass. We've already seen a montage. So much else has been established about how cool this fucking, we didn't even mention his mullet. Yeah. <laughs> like the world's best mullet. It's he does very eighties. Yeah. So much party in the back. Um, I, I'm so enamored with the setup that this movie <laughs> tries to do. Dixon, uh, pop quiz what happens next after they save the princess from the town i don't fucking remember <laughs> they go to parmistan which i, I assume which which yeah like so it's like 30 to 30 minutes in they're like now we're finally in the place we told you you'd go to establish that you're a badass um and at this point too and i know you won't remember this but jim Cotta 
He pronounces Parmistan differently. He's become cultured, my friend. Oh. He's worldly. Parmistan. He says, Parmistan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then everybody starts saying that around him. Um, but yeah, like they, they have a whole opening. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you landed in Parmistan, unpack your bags, get your hotel room, get a woman with black teeth who uh, is a concierge in your room <laughs> to take care of you. I don't know what that scene's about, but you can definitely tell whoever's behind the camera is like, this can be some wild shit. This is exactly what Americans would think a foreign country looks like. Uh, and everything is Gothic and you got all those fucking castles everywhere. Um, yeah. And, and that's like pretty much the, uh, the, the first half of this movie just fully set up right there. Uh, and I can just say, I have never been so impressed with how lost I was (laughs) <laughs> in a movie that seems to have the most simple premise of we just got to go to the thing to do the thing. And you're a gymnast who can do the thing. So mm-hmm. just do it. Jim Cotta. It felt like the, uh, like the writer and the director and the editor of this movie, maybe like never talked to each other. All separate rooms. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just like not really sure what the coherent vision was supposed to be as each of them are, are making this movie. Um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make much sense. <laughs> Um, we get introduced to an ensemble of characters who are going to take part in what is like the most deadly game. It's like a triathlon where we didn't mention this part, but you get haunted while you're doing the triathlon. Mm-hmm. Like they basically give you like a 20 minute head start, and then the king, Marv Brooks, uh, he's like, let them hunt you, and then they fucking all go on horses. He's so jovial for like a an evil tyrant who is running a death uh, race thing, you know, right? Like, like that dude seems like he'd be so cool to just so have he a whiskey be running with a candy and, store and like creeping on children. That's I mean, kind of the vibe that he gives. That's why he gives the Willy Wonka wish at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of whatever you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I would say there's, there's a certain, this subscribes to uh, a certain genre of film, which is the deadliest game, right? Like that's the, is that the most dangerous game? That's the most dangerous is. game. Yeah. The most dangerous game. That classic, uh, it was a, a short story, I think that was adapted into a mm-hmm. uh, classic, like Hollywood film. And, uh, it, it, it follows that same structure of you have a character who, um, thinks that they're prepared for any situation, maybe a badass, maybe philosopher, high thinker, maybe a gymnast. <laughs> and, uh, they get invited to uh, a remote location. They get to dine with the people that they're about to be murdered by. And then they get to be sent off. And so you get that obligatory scene here where there's like a dinner out in the courtyard of this castle where they manage to get all of the extras from Bo is afraid. Uh, it's just like everybody there looks dangerous um, or extremely old to an unsettling degree. <laughs> uh, and there's even a guy named Thorg. It's not Thor. Nope. It's Thorg. Yep. Well, uh, that would be copyright. Uh, issues, yeah, yeah. You, you can't know. do that. Yeah. Um, drop the G, Thorg. It's cleaner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, like, th- there's all of these badasses being set up. So, as an audience, we're supposed to feel like, man, Jim Cotta's a badass. We watched him go through a montage. Here he comes. He's right about to fucking kick everybody's ass. And then we see a giant dinner table with twelve people, and they're all really competent. I don't know what competent is really qualified as other than they're all ready for the games and they all look relatively fit. Yeah. They're wearing like athletic wear from Academy. 
Uh, <laughs> the more that you describe this movie, John, the more I'm wondering if the screenwriter of Bloodsport watched this movie <laughs> right before writing yeah. it. This just came out like three years before Bloodsport, I think. Do you know that Bloodsport, it's, it's based on like a real man's life, but it's also, he's a fucking- Oh, that's bullshit. He's like, a liar. Yeah, he's yeah. an absolute he liar. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and I was just like, yeah. he's, the, he's the Steven yeah, Seagal. Yeah, that guy saw Gymkata yeah. and then wrote that fake biography. Yeah, yeah he sat in Gymkata with his sunglasses on, Steven Seagal style. <laughs> And he probably said to himself, I could Jim Cotta. <laughs> I could do a better Jim Cotta <laughs> with a Kumite, Jim Kumite, <laughs> which would have been the sequel to this. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I know it's been a while since you saw Dixon, but do you remember uh, there's a sequence where Jim Cotta tries to introduce himself to Thorg and or another character? Um, I, didn't, I don't recall this specifically. We were watching it together uh, in the dark and you had COVID. <laughs> oh, and you yeah. didn't tell me yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I had COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, and uh. they're at this table. Everybody picture in your, your mind cinema, if you would, um, a scene in which there is a, an establishing shot of a table. It overlooks a crowd. You see all the actors there. And then all you see are one twos of actors and you never see them in the same place. <laughs> and Jim Cotta is there and he's like, Hey, Thorg, I'm a big fan of yours. And they just hard cut to Thorg talking to everybody else. And then they cut back to Jim Cotta and he's got his hand out trying to shake <laughs> Thorg's hand and nothing happens. And he sits back down and we were both just like, he's not in that scene. There's no, there's no way he's in that place. Incredible. Well, we can't afford to have everyone here at the same time. Come on. What are you insane? <laughs> um, yeah. And speaking of insane, this, this movie's a, a, a movie of simple pleasures. As I've said, I've never been so lost watching it, but I've also never been so acutely aware that at some point they have to get to the Jim Cottying mm. and they have to get to winning this. You, you already know from the beginning of the movie, he's going to win. This isn't a complicated film. This it's a 1980s movie. He's go the American yeah. good guy is going to triumph over the evil Asians. Absolutely, you know, that's, it's going to happen. There's yeah. no way around it. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, if A24 remade this movie now, I'd be interested <laughs> to see how it would end up. Uh, but yeah, like they they are kind of just rushing things along. There's a lot of plot points that come up. Princess, what's her name? Her and uh, Lin-Manuel Hercules are uh, arranged to be married. And Jim Cotta's like, I was not aware of this when I was hitting on you and you were pulling knives on me. Princess, what's her name? You're, you're pulling loaded. knives on other people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been exclusively pulling knives on you. <laughs> How long have you been threatening them? <laughs> <laughs> Who of your knives been inside? <laughs> Gary, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Bob Greenwald. Bob Greenwald <laughs> hosted his Jim Cotta mitzvah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, th this movie is—it's a wild time. It's fun to to, to talk about. Um, and we've only talked about the front-loaded story piece because it's really hard to talk about the latter half, where it's all just an obstacle course. <laughs> it's like watching mm -hmm. Wipeout or some shit, American Ninja Warrior. And they try to add so much to it. And there's only one sequence that we really haven't broached yet um, because it's, it, it's a different movie. The village of the crazies. Yes. The village of the crazies, <laughs> which, you know, um, that's this just what just, it's called in the movie. It is a wild tonal shift that just gives you the biggest whiplash you have ever had in your life where it's just this harried obstacle course. Then all of a sudden we turn into a horror movie and Jim Cotta just like accidentally stumbles into this weird ass town that where it's like nighttime now somehow. 
and like all these weirdos are coming out from the corners and like trying to fight him. And you're like, wait, these are just these seem to be just like innocent townspeople, and you're just beating the shit out of all of them. Like some of them maybe are threatening, but these are most of these people are probably just living their lives trying to walk through the town square, and you're just just going crazy on that pommel horse, kicking them all in the fucking face. Yeah, they they like they establish this village. It's not it doesn't just come out of anywhere, like nowhere. They they talk about it. When uh, Marv Brooks is showing his like fifth grade diorama of <laughs> the, the the map of Parmistan, they have a whole segment where all of the participants of the challenge are standing around this tiny diorama with like hot glue and <laughs> little beads on it that like indicate this is where the ropes are. <laughs> like this is the village of crazies. And it's like uh, a little monopoly house that they like wedged into some moss. Um, you don't want to go to the village of the crazies. <laughs> and uh, even I having watched this multiple times, I can't recall if the movie actually says the obstacle course goes through that village or if um, uh, Lin-Manuel Hercules, who begins to cheat, there's a rule system of the game. Mm -hmm. You can't kill anybody in the game unless you're on equal ground with them. So it's like if they're climbing a rope, you have to also climb the rope and pull out your bow and arrow and shoot (laughs) them with the bow and arrow from the rope. That sounds hard. Yeah. And so instead, Lin-Manuel Hercules just decides that he's going to light the rope on fire. and try to kill everybody easily that way. And there's so many moments in this where Jim Cott is like the biggest narc. Like <laughs> dude's not cool at all. He, he like at one point he runs up to one of the, there's a bunch of ninja dudes that just hold flags and direct you where you're going to go on this obstacle course. And he runs up to one of them and he goes, he cheated. He killed this man without being on the same level as him. And I was <laughs> like, they kill people. Like when were there supposed to be rules to this death? Like uh, you bought it. <laughs> We're going to have to go to the replay on this one, folks. We've got a red challenge flag out on the field. and uh, Oh, my God. I would have loved. You know what? It looks like we're going to have to bring him back from the dead, actually. Uh, <laughs> they did violate the rules, so uh, we're going to have to murder the murderer, and we're going to bring the other guy back from the dead, and we're going to start the race over now. False start on the offense. <laughs> killed, the, <laughs> killed, killed the running. <laughs> it's just like, there it is. Uh, I would love to have had John Madden call some of this <laughs> like you see folks what you have to do you, you gotta just uh, run all the way to the rope and grab it and then you just crawl up the rope and you, the real goal is to get to the top and there it is <laughs> like i'm just you. here drawing penises folks yeah. i'm just I, that's all i'm here doing he's just. like circling the rope where the guy <laughs> like got hot, hit with an arrow and fell and he's like you don't want to let go of your rope folks you know it's really what it is it's a game of inches <laughs> um yeah, so the Village of the Crazies, they establish, even before uh, Jim Cotta gets to Parmistan, that um, this, this country is backwards. This country, they're, they're you know, um, uh, uh, they're one of those countries that they don't have running water or some shit, is, is what the CIA makes it seem like. Those evil sons <laughs> of bitches. <laughs> yeah, those bastards. And, and uh, again, I'll remind everybody, the whole premise of Jim Cotta going to this is to win a competition to be able to put satellites over this country that has no technology. They have bows and arrows and they all ride horses and they live in castles and they're going to give a fuck about satellites. Why exactly? I don't know. Very unclear. Um, I don't think the movie really cares or knows. Yep. Doesn't know. Yep. But the CIA is like, they, um, yeah, they have this village where they put all the people that suffer from different ailments. Just go there. Doesn't matter. Um, they just dump them in that place and they're done with it. 
Uh, and it, you know, honestly, it sounds like America in the early 1900s. So Ooh. like <laughs> shots fired, everybody, <laughs> uh, mental health has always been a problem in this country. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so they're just like, yeah, do that. Uh, and then, uh, Parmistan is like, yeah, you got to go through the village of the crazies. So that's when we get this tonal shift. That's what we've been working up to. Jim Cotta, he like, it's like a, a night and day transition. It reminded me of, um, I didn't even know, like watching like a dream sequence in a movie. Yeah. Uh, very much so. Like he gets to this big fucking wooden door. It definitely does not feel real. And he opens the door and like just fog pours out and it goes <laughs> in. There's like a baby. There's a barbecue. Yeah, there's going like on? a fucking baby wailing in the distance. <laughs> and like every corner he turns, there's somebody sobbing. You know, it's it's like a fucking golden corral. It just feels oh like gosh. a purgatory of, <laughs> of humanity. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> just chaos reigns. But it is all you can eat. It so. is, yeah. yeah. So get in there while you can, Jim Cotta. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, the entire time he wants, runs through that place, he's meeting all those, like, unfortunate souls, which, sure, some of them attack Jim Cotta, okay? They don't know any mm -hmm. better. He's invading their space. With the exception of there's one man who drops down from a balcony and falls on Jim Cotta. That's that man's fault. <laughs> he clearly was trying to attack him. <laughs> um, but there's like so many interesting characters. There's a man who wears a robe who has no backside to it. Uh, <laughs> there's a, a, a flock of women who laugh and cry and try to hug Jim Cotta and he punches them away. And one of them especially is traumatized. And then there's a man who has two faces and uh, Dixon, mm -hmm. I'd like for you to describe, <laughs> tell, tell the people who is this two faced man? Uh, yeah. So in the background of uh, a scene where Jim Cotta is, is walking around this weird village, you see this man standing, leaning against the wall and he has a very stoic face. I wonder what's going on with, with that guy. The camera zooms in very close to this guy's face and you're like, that's a very realistic looking mask, isn't it? That's not a but It very much looks like a face. Then he slowly begins to turn <laughs> and the mask has this beard on it and it's like, it functions as like sideburns for one of the faces and a beard for the other. It's so fucking weird. And like he turns around and turns out he's been standing backward the whole time with a mask on the backside of his head. And he just like, I don't know what the purpose of that was at all. He turns around just looking guilty and weird. And like, I don't really know what the point of that was but um it's one of the wildest things in a movie that i've ever seen and makes no sense whatsoever and it's just like you're gonna laugh for three solid minutes when you see it it absolutely destroyed our mutual friend jim um <laughs> who i sent a picture to dixon of he was on the floor his eyes closed his hands <laughs> clasped over his mouth in shock and he he did not recover for at least three minutes he missed three minutes of Jimkata which is a crime. Um, but yeah, like backwards face man just like stole the show in the 30 seconds he's there. Mm -hmm. And he also dies like Jim Cotta, Jim Cotta's him. And he like, in the way that you would exactly think this happens, he gets like <laughs> fucking three flips and then kicks him in the face. Uh, the, the right face, the face that's actually a human face. <laughs> and the guy turns around and hits a brick wall and slowly slides. And so all you see is his backwards head <laughs> sliding down. <laughs> if I could just, uh, just like chef's kiss to the filmmakers. They knew exactly what they had. Yep. I have no idea whose idea it was, but it was fucking brilliant. Um, and, and I've never seen anything like it. So yeah, it definitely left an impression on me, but like, I, I will say, um, so far, we both 
we ironically have kind of loved this movie mm-hmm. and it's just one of those like you know it's so goofy and dumb that it's great but like this particular segment in the village of the crazies there is i feel like there's a different director i it feel like there's feel a that way. different set design and like some creative force behind it that cared about what this would look like it is really well done it doesn't make any sense or like really fit in with the rest of the movie at all but it is when you're watching that scene sequence you're like okay yeah this is actually really well put together um you know still bad fight choreography where it's missing people by two feet and stuff but overall the aesthetics are really interesting it it becomes very unnerving especially Mm -hmm. if you're high and not (laughs) saying i have been but i've watched him kind of three times folks and one of those times i may have been drunk Uh, (laughs) and so um yeah i was watching with a with a a friend of mine because now that you've shared the gospel with me dixon i have to share Mm. the good word um yes please evangelize yeah and uh and so i showed it to my buddy uh and he was laughing for you know up until the village of the crazies and then he just got quiet and he sat forward and he was just like i could see in his eyes we were watching it remotely together he just was scanning the screen. He was like, <laughs> my God. And at one point he was like, this is really impressive. Like this is yeah. incredibly impressive. He's like, I mean, the rest of the movie has been great, but this part fucking wow. Um, and it's just something with like the ambience that they build and the fog and like the complete, there's a color grading shift that happens mm-hmm. and it's like cooler tones and much more unsettling. And, uh, as Jim Cotta's kind of running um, through the streets, fighting all these guys, suddenly he arrives at the pommel horse that Dixon has been talking about. And he's like, <laughs> he pommel horses for so long. Why I, is there a pommel horse in the middle of the town square? It's the village of the crazies. We don't know. Yeah. You if know. you, if you clock it when you're watching the movie, initially you can clock that pommel horse very easily. Oh, you yeah. see it. It's, it's barely hidden under leaves <laughs> and, and it looks like they tried to make like a, oh, it's the town square where there's a well and water where they would come fetch it. But there are two pipes that lead to that water well. Yeah. Both of those pipes look like handlebars and it's hard not to notice that <laughs> when your mind can just parse patterns. No, it's, it's not the well. It's where they tie up the village idiot when That's, he's oh, like too drunk. There you, know? you go. Yeah. <laughs> Just have him be publicly humiliated and throw tomatoes at him. That's a different village. <laughs> <laughs> they just tie each other up there for funsies. Oh, okay. It's the village of the crazies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And like the whole town descends on him at some point after Jim Cott has kicked like a certain threshold of people with his mm. flips and shit. They did just descend on him and he leads them to the square. There are like. 50 plus people in this scene like it's all coming at him at the same time yeah yeah until they get to the pommel horse and then they're all coming at him one, one at, at a time, time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody has well, one of the time his kick syndrome. radius you know just kind of keeps them at bay yeah and, it's know, like they can sw- only get so close his feet are moving so fast yeah it's like swinging a chain or something uh-huh, it's just yeah. you know it's so physically impressive he does like five flips in between doing the the kick feet circle yeah. too. It's like he's just showing off at this point. Everybody's like, "Fuck, I don't want to fuck with the gymnast. They could absolutely destroy me." <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and so, as he's fighting all these people, eventually they all run away. I guess I think um, that's the one part of the movie I don't really remember because it just resolves. Uh, he he starts running. Actually, he starts running through the crowd. And we get an extended. Yeah, eventually, it's like I can't kill all of these people. I'm gonna have to run. Yeah, yeah. there's no way that I can I can kick flip all of these pitchfork wielding villagers. <laughs> um, I need to make my ascent, and so he just like runs through everything, and they have um the most excessive slow motion sequence. 
they really put film to a test here and they just show him running. Uh, you can think of it like, um, uh, God, who's a director who just uses slow motion, uh, like abuses it. Um, God, it's like his name begins with a Z and he's really <laughs> broy. Um, and I just can't, he's on the tip of my tongue. You ruined the entire DCU, although that was already ruined when it started. Zach Anyways, Galifianakis. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah. Zach Galifianakis. Uh-huh. So yeah, you can think of this like a Zach Galifianakis scene. <laughs> um, he's like, uh, Jim Cotta is running through the streets and suddenly it goes back into like, just like heartbeat and people screaming as an ambient sound. And it's, shot in like 120 frames for some reason <laughs> and he climbs a whole building and gets out of that situation and there's a ninja who comes over and offers his hand up to jim kata and help him escape from the village of the crazies and in the the story scheme it's it's when we um find out that jim kata's dad's alive everybody dad my god i knew you'd get here jonathan you remember jim kata's dad everybody you haven't watched the movie but do you remember him <laughs> Because, we didn't know he was his dad until just now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, he's the guy in the cold open who got murdered and apparently didn't get murdered. So you're right there with us, everybody. Again, we're sorry for spoilers. We never said we were sorry for them before, <laughs> but they never said he had a father before. So we're even Jim Cotta. <laughs> also, it's very unclear how much time has passed between that opening scene and now when his son is doing the course that he did. It's like, how many years has he been hiding out here? Everyone is the exact same age in this scene as they were in the opening one. Uh, but they seem to imply that, like, the CIA seems to imply that, like, you know, his dad was a legend and did this forever ago. You know, it's very, yeah. st- very stupid. Yeah. And, and even Jim Cotta has asked several people about his father and none of them seem to know what happened to him. Uh-huh. They all just say some cryptic shit like he was the best of us. Or some <laughs> shit. And, and you're like, but how? Um, and And it's a real shame his father isn't played by an Olympic medalist either. Uh, mm. or, you know, a world champion or whatever the fuck. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jim Cotta meets his dad long enough for his dad to get shot with an arrow. Zymir's <laughs> men captured me and we're going to use me as diplomatic bait. Oh, it's great to see you. You'll never know. It's his favorite pastime, <laughs> getting shot with arrows. That's all we see him do in this movie. Oh, you, dad. You fucking, <laughs> that's this typical thing. You just invite your buddies over, open the garage up, bring out some beers and shoot each other with arrows. It's <laughs> just what a dad would do. Um, but yeah, like we're supposed to have emotional moments in the latter half of this movie. Not they happening. Never, they never set that shit up. No. None of it matters. Um, but yeah, like that, that's the village of the crazies. Best part of this movie. Definitely. Um, yeah. By far. It's so, it has such a, it has a thumbprint. I have no idea who the auteur is behind it. If it is the main director, why wasn't the rest of the movie nearly as atmospheric as this? Yeah. Um, it, it's wild to me. Uh, but yeah, like the, the rest of the movie, it goes exactly how you would expect it to like, um, fucking Lin-Manuel has already betrayed the, the rules of the kingdom. He's planning a coup. Everybody who knew that the bad guy who killed his father and tried to kill Jim Cotta early would be the guy who's trying to plan a coup against Marv Brooks. Yeah, but but daughter. Marv Brooks is just this lovable dude running this dictatorship and having people do these death matches. You know, yeah. it's like he's totally cool. Uh, why would any, you know? Why would anyone want to overthrow that guy? Like, yeah, they even have a heartfelt uh, moment right before the game start, where Marv Brooks lets three prisoners free to run the games themselves, uh-huh. and he's 
He's very much like, we're giving them a fair chance at life, everybody. This is uh, what reform looks like. What a nice guy. Yeah. Just... <laughs> no wonder Reagan wants to get in this <laughs> fucking village and have his satellite system over it. Uh. Um, but yeah, like uh, that that's that's pretty much the gist of the movie. Like at the end, Jim Cotta, he kills uh, fucking Lin-Manuel Hercules. He, his dad is not dead, even though he got shot by an arrow. He needs medical attention, everybody. Um, being shot through the ribs into the heart doesn't kill you uh, unless you pull the arrow out, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I bet Parmistan's going to give him the best medical attention of all. Oh, absolutely. That would have been, uh, actually, that would have been a great ending that I would have both hated and loved as if Jim Cotta was like, uh, Marv Brooks is like, you won, Jim Cotta. What do you want? I can give you anything. And he's like, just heal my dad. I don't care about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it's uh, cool. We have free public health care. Yeah. And he's like, wow, <laughs> what a time to be alive. <laughs> um, and he gets the girl and everybody's happy. And uh, the fucking movie just ends on the wholesome hallmark ending. You thought it would when it started. Yep. Just a, a, a feat of cinema, just just incredible to watch. They don't make them like these anymore. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, MGM no, specifically doesn't make them like these, probably because <laughs> it went bankrupt and is now owned by Amazon. <laughs> there also just aren't like bad action movies like this. This is just so fucking 1980s that like you won't see it. You'll see bad action movies today, but it's just a different kind of bad. It's like a less fun kind yeah, of bad. Yeah. You know I mean, what is it about that? Like. Like Bloodsport is terrible also, right? It's but great. people love it because it's hilarious and stupid and like it's yeah. awesome, right? And Jim Cotta is that kind of thing. But yeah, we don't really have those type of action movies anymore. We have, you know, if it's a bad action movie, it's like, oh, this is a horrible script or this choreography is terrible. Um, I feel like maybe because of the, you know, post-Taken era that we're in where every action movie has to have the exact same revenge plot that like... They yeah. all take themselves too seriously. And if they're bad, they're just not fun. And like either you have that kind of over serious action movie or you have like a Marvel movie, which isn't really an action movie. But like that would be, I guess, the only thing that you might call a like, quote unquote, fun type of action movie where it's like trying to be a little bit tongue in cheek. But um yeah, we don't really have movies like that anymore. It really seems like a lot of those movies, and I have no idea what like production costs behind this kind of movie are, like for getting squibs and like doing this kind of choreography, how many extras and all that stuff would have been in the 80s versus now. But there is very much like this push to green screen everything and do yep. um, fucking like drag and drop muzzle flashes for your guns. And like, don't get me wrong. Um, I understand there are safety concerns when it comes to, you know, gun usage on a film set and there's Alec also Baldwin, Alec Baldwin looking at yep, you. you you know um and there's like now there's like a I believe I've seen enough Italian films I've talked about this before <laughs> but like there's no longer like animal abuse that can happen on movies to make it real because it's just fucking traumatic no matter what mm. Jesus to see some of that shit in the 70s and 80s uh it's it's wild um but like what is it what is the secret sauce behind 80s action films I don't really know. I mean, I think some of it is like they're trying to do a cool action movie, but at the same time trying to put some comedy in it. And it just like when it fails, it fails in a hilarious way. Right. Where like some yeah. of the jokes hit and some of them don't. But it's funny that they don't hit. And like the action 
sequences are funny because they're not really that well done and the plot points are so stupid and unbelievable, but you can tell they're made in earnest. Yeah. You know, and I wonder if maybe we just have more cynical action filmmakers today. Um, yeah. That's, you know, it feels like they're not having fun when they're making those movies. And like, you can tell like people that made Jim Cotta were having fun with it and wanting to make something that's like, kind of doesn't make sense, but it's cool. And maybe it doesn't all mesh together, but it's fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm reminded of um, the born identity as a contributor to mm-hmm. why action movies fucking suck now. Um, <laughs> Which and, like that movie is solid. Yeah, There's, it is. Yeah. But like, all the filmmakers who followed that found out that you could cover up a lot of your errors if you shook the camera just really fucking hard. Yes. Uh-huh. Create a lot of bad habits. It's just like, it was like, okay, well, if we can't do the choreography right, let's shake the camera and make it seem like there's momentum behind it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jim Cotta, if you had shook the camera while he was doing his Jim Cotta, sure, you would have made it seem like there was a kick connecting, but it would disorient the audience and it would suck. Yeah. Like, it would just make it awful. And so I think it's one of those things where like now directors are like, Oh, we can try to cover up our mistakes with this, but they won't own that. They won't try to like get around it. Um, they won't get creative and, and try to work with it. But, um, yeah, it's like that. And then I was thinking of, uh, did you ever see brick Ryan Johnson's? Yeah. Yeah. There's the like high, a sequence. high school noir. Yeah. And there's uh-huh. a sequence where somebody punches somebody and to cover that choreography up, it, it's like a cool effect that they add, but they like do like a really fast framing zoom in to like Joseph Gordon-Levitt punching somebody, I think. No. And it kind of like, it carries the momentum of the camera forward. So it's still visible and you understand what's happening and it looks real, but it also adds a punch to it, um, literally and figuratively. Um, and I feel like that's, that's where like all the 80s shit went. It was that in persona. Like you, you just had to have like a Schwarzenegger persona or like a, yeah. Like the persona of the person, like whoever oh, you were not trying the movie to, persona. Not, the, not the movie yeah. persona, not Bergman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, what? sorry. Yeah. No, your, your art house ears perked up, <laughs> but it was just like all about that bravado of like, here's like fucking Schwarzenegger. Who's been in predator and yeah. commando and fucking, uh, kindergarten cop and <laughs> whatever else. But it's, I think uh, some of that was beneficial to eighties movies because yeah. you had these, these personalities these that titans. were bigger than the movie. And it's like, Oh, it's a Stallone movie. It's a Schwarzenegger movie. It's a Van Damme movie. And so you kind of know what you're in for. Mm-hmm. And to some degree that could be detrimental to the movie, but like for a cheesy action movie, sometimes that can be beneficial having like an anchor that, you know, and that can, bring you some things that you expect and also maybe subvert some things, uh, you know, throughout the movie. And like, obviously Jim Cotta doesn't have a star in it, but it feels like, and this is before Van Damme, but it feels like it's trying to make a Van Damme movie. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I think that's kind of why it's, it's more fun is because it's just absurd and it, it feels like something similar to what, you know, like an eighties Van Damme movie, but then, it's just fucking gymnastics for some reason. Yeah. It's just like, like how many pieces of gymnastic equipment can they seamlessly put into this town in random places where you can yeah. just use them to fight off random people. And that's, that's interesting because like I brought up uh, American rickshaw, which you haven't seen. I have not. Yeah. No. And, and that has an Olympic gold medalist oh. uh, at the helm of it. La dee da. Um, and that, that film in contrast to this, really fucking weird that the eighties had two films with gymnastics in it. Yeah. Uh, or gymnasts in it. Um, action movies with gymnasts. Yeah, action yeah. movies with gymnasts. Um, yeah. Like, uh, American rickshaw, there's no gymnastics in it at all. It tries to make the gymnast into an actor. 
Like mm. it's a vehicle. And it's one of those things where maybe I'm a little biased, but I've never really thought of a gymnast as having a ton of charisma. Um, Everybody knows that whenever athletes decide to come to become movie stars, it always goes really well. Yeah. We've seen uh-huh. Space Jam and Space Jam 2. Uh-huh. And those were Jordan, LeBron, m- Shaq. Yeah. You know, it's just a, a long line of amazing actors that have come out of sports. Um, you yeah. Know, with with the occasional exception of like Jim Brown, you know, like for the most part. You <laughs> yeah, say, yeah. And it's like Jim Brown is in bad movies for the most part. But he can't act. Like he's he was in the Dirty Dozen and he's done yeah. some good shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it like comes down to like director and the understanding of it and some of that stuff. But like somebody in the 80s did enough cocaine that they thought that gymnasts could be the most charismatic motherfuckers. They're on the <laughs> Wheaties box. I mean, uh, they yeah. got to have something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before the era of the nineties, part of a balanced breakfast. Yeah. Before the era of the nineties brought about, you know, uh, a lot of Michael Jordan fever and, um, the fucking like, uh, Tanya Harding, just a, <laughs> a sweet American sweetheart and an icon, uh, of ice skating cast Tanya Harding in a fucking movie. She could do hey. it. She could absolutely do that. I'm sure. sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's wild to me because it also harkens back to like, old Hollywood, right? Like you used to have the stable of stars. You had, you know, right, Jimmy yeah. Stewart film or your Cary Grant, like any of those things. And, uh, then in the eighties, it was Schwarzenegger sliced alone. You eventually had JCVD. And that was like all that was really needed. Bronson came out and like, Oh hell yeah. All that shit. Like just Eastwood and putting, yeah. Names to faces. And then in the nineties, it kind of became the superhero fodder. It was like Keaton and whoever else. Um, it's wild to watch those trends. And now I feel like there's like Liam Neeson is in occasionally action movies. There's a lot of old guy action movies now. Yeah. The geezer teasers uh-huh. where they bring in. I'm whoever. not sure why that is. It's like, you know, Keanu Reeves is fucking old. Like he's still in great shape and he can do all that shit. And he's Kicks impressive as fuck. John Wick. Liam Neeson just, you know, looks mean and says, uh, you know, cheesy dialogue and Pops that, that can work 16 takes yeah and there you, know. you go like, um but uh yeah i don't know why that that is where it's like we have to have all of our action movies have to star people who are at least 50 years old um don't know why we can't have young people kicking ass anymore i really want hollywood to bring back um like schlubby dudes as an action hero <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like seagal yeah kind of like seagal seagal's a little too over the line i think at that point <laughs> Roger but Moore. Like, yeah, yeah, like a Roger Moore figure, <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely one of those things where like, I don't think that like, um, not to insult the great Humphrey Bogart, but I don't think that he was ever shredded. He was just like a fast talking no. dude who had kind of like a cool attitude about him. But he also wasn't like fighting people. He with was not fighting fists. people. He was like solving crimes. Might be a and, bad, bad example. Uh, yeah. But like, there are definitely like some actors out there where I'm like, okay, this dude, not in good shape. It's like when you think about... um like ancient Greece and like the gods there and how like, Oh, they must all been shredded cause they're gods. But then like, when you look at the statues of them, you're like, this dude has love handles. Like yeah. the fucking Zeus, he's got like five chins and who knows what he hey, does. He's relatable. You know? but yeah. Like he's a relatable <laughs> man. He's an every man who could become an action hero. Who knows? Um, but yeah, there's like, I long Jim Cotta makes me long for that time. It also makes me long for Olympic medalists. Like I'd love to see, I think we talked previously about a movie where, some concept i don't even fucking remember what it was but i was like like michael phelps would be in it 
somewhere. <laughs> it's like a supporting character who gets like jealous. There's of the no movie. way that Michael Phelps could memorize his lines. There's no way that guy is an idiot. Oh, that's that's perfectly fine. They would put an earpiece in and <laughs> let him read. It's just, just have totally him cool. read cue cards off. Yeah, camera. yeah, 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 exactly. And that would make it more charming and funnier. But it is one of those things where like Hollywood started indexing so hard on we need to do only superhero movies and they need to have these fucking people in them, big names, and then we'll put them out and they'll flop and we'll panic and we won't make anything that's lower budget and try to get anybody else in it. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's just this weird mode where they're stuck on that and they don't know how to make the older lower budget films like Mm -hmm. MGM used to fucking make in the eighties. Yeah. Um, it's, it's wild to me. Uh, so I actually, a quick aside here. I saw an action movie this weekend, John silent night, the new John. Wood I wanted movie. to see that. I wanted to see that. How was it? It was good. Uh, it, it was yeah. like, it was over serious and an old, basically an old guy action. Movie. like, Joel Kinnaman's gotta be at least 45. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, very stupid plot. Um, like every single, it's a plot of every action movie of, of the past 15 years. Yeah. But it was just really well done. Like it's John Woo, it was shot really well, choreographed really well, edited fantastically. And it was a fun time, you know, like it was, it was a good watch. And like, you can do a mid to low budget action movie like that and do a good job with it. And, you know, that one wasn't like a fun eighties movie, but it was just it was really well executed. Like, you know, it was, yeah. good, it was a good time. John Woo knows his shit. Like he knows mm-hmm. really how to pull that together. And I, I love a movie that takes itself really serious. That doesn't try to Joss Whedon it up with any kind of fucking mm-hmm. like, let's make it lighthearted after all this dark shit's happened. Like, I don't know. There's something charming about trying to conjure that. Um, and of course, Schlocktober makes me appreciate what I, what I have and what I used yeah. to have. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that definitely, I get that. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I wanted to go see that movie. I still am going to go see yeah, it. Yeah, no, you should. You it would sounds like, it. like it'd be fucking great. Yeah. Especially as much as you loved John Wick 4, like this would be up your alley. Hell yeah. yeah. Like I had some friends that we went to see, I can't remember what movie we saw in theaters, but they they played that trailer at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we went to saw Killers of the Flower Moon. And oh, at yeah. the beginning of Killers of the Flower Moon, they showed that trailer. Mm-hmm. Very appropriate for Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly <laughs> different tone. But <laughs> <laughs> and one of them leaned over and was like, John, who the fuck comes to movies to see that? And I was like, me. <laughs> <laughs> fucking me right here <laughs> i'm sitting right How in dare front of you. you yeah do you know who you're talking to do you know who my dad is <laughs> um but yeah like i just want to see more of that and anytime that i can see it and we we talked about it with the aff stuff like when when we mm-hmm. um when we saw last straw yeah uh i fucking loved it because the technical execution reminded me of some of that older genre film yeah and i yeah. was like hell yeah i want this um, I'm tired of Hollywood's algorithms dictating what has to happen where and when, even though in the eighties, this movie was clearly made off of a human algorithm yeah. of somebody being like gymnastics equal cool and cool equals money. So it's like some <laughs> studio executive's nephew that was like, what if you put gymnastics in an action movie? And it's like, you know what, kid, I think you're onto something. Yeah. My God, kid, <laughs> I cracked it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say about Jim Cotta other than that. I absolutely would recommend this movie <laughs> mm. um, there. I've I already talked at length about how the score is not great. The choreography is bad. Um, the acting is terrible. Uh, the, the fucking all the decisions around it, aside from the village of the crazies atmosphere, ah. 
completely mishandled in the most beautiful way that is perplexing and will make you ask why and how did this get made? Um, and I'm sure how did this get made? Did an episode on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they did actually. There yeah. you go. That's where I first found out about it. There yeah. you go. Um, uh, but it's, it's fucking beautiful. Uh, and I, I love it. And I wish we gave, um, gymnastics and or Olympic athletes more opportunities to make movies or we gambled on these dumber decisions that were risky because uh, hell man in like 10 years that could make bank for, for a really niche audience. Um, but Dixon, what do you, what do you think about Jim Cotta? Would you recommend Jim Cotta? Or do you I would thoughts? wholeheartedly recommend Jim Cotta. Um, it's fucking wild. It's a really good time. Um, how did this get made? Also did an episode on blood sport, which I am on. So if nice. you uh, can get behind the paywall of old How Did This Get Made episodes, I'm in the Bloodsport episode. Hey, Afterthoughts listeners, this is Dixon. I am issuing a correction of my former self who said that I was on the Bloodsport episode of How Did This Get Made. That is incorrect. I was on the Time Cop episode. Uh, the JCVD movies all kind of blur together. Uh, but also, I'm a raging moron. Uh, anyway, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Send in your proof if you listen to it, <laughs> and uh, you'll get a free recommend uh, on us. Oh, like sure, whatever movie you want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. At the very, <laughs> at the very least, I will watch it and talk about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, awesome. Uh, there you have it, everybody. That's Jim Cotta. We talked through quite a bit of it, um, and uh, then we got, had a little reflection moment that I think was really nice. Yeah, no, that was, that was like, fun conversation. Yeah. The evolution or, or devolution of action movies over the past 40 years. I just don't understand how we've come all this way and we still don't know what good action is. Yeah. Like, but it's, it's like we tragedy. make good action movies still, right? John Wick 4 is fucking great. Yeah. A Silent Night was good. Like, we still do it, but it's like the genre has just shrunken into the smallest subgenre possible. It's only weird old guy revenge movies, and that is it. That's the entire fucking thing. It's that, um, uh, it's gotta be that factor of mostly suits making the decision for the action movies yeah. and the, the small portion that's good are stunt people and directors who've always known action yeah. who can say it's like, I want it to be this way uncompromisingly. I wonder maybe way. if part of it is the audience. I wonder if like only old guys are watching action movies now. They only watch action movies about old guys getting revenge, but then you yeah. have things like, um, God, what is that? Charlie's Throne? Is it Salt? Is that the one? Uh, that was Angelina Jolie. Angelina uh, Jolie. Charlie's Throne did uh, uh, Atomic, Atomic Rocket. Blonde. Atomic Blonde. Atomic That's Blonde, what it was. Yeah. yeah. And then there was like uh, Ryan had talked about Bubblegum Milkshake, which was another one that was oh, not yeah. good, but like Gunpowder gun Milkshake. Gunpowder Milkshake. Yeah. Whatever. That They're sounded really bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, you just have those moments, and then everything else is it gets folded in. Like even if it's going to be a, a lead woman, a leading woman, it's um like Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow. And you're like, mm -hmm. I don't want superheroes in this. Like, get get it out of here. Yeah. I just want you to focus on the actual action shit. Uh, have somebody kill uh, Jennifer Lawrence's dog for once and see what Jennifer yeah. Lawrence does. Uh <laughs> and it, like you do have you do have some female led action movies, which is cool, but like a lot of times they're just like weird fantasy movies. It's like you know, Resident Evil or uh yeah. fucking uh the Kate Beckinsale franchise. Oh, Underworld. Um, Underworld. Underworld. Yeah. And it's like, they they feel unserious and, and kind of poorly made. They're you know? way more camp. Aside they, from they Atomic index. Blonde was was very well done. That was yeah. done by like one of the John Wick producers, I okay. think. It wasn't done by Chad Stahelski, but it, like I think David Leach 
um, who was very involved in the first John Wick movie. But yeah, I, I, I am curious. And again, I put out a beacon for our listeners every so often to give us suggestions. But if there's any movie with a leading woman um, that like fucking knocks your socks off, like let us know. I mean, obviously we've listed a few here. Also, there's like Wanted was a thing that was kind of cool. I really liked Wanted when it came. I was like a freshman in college when it came out. That oh, was like the perfect time to see that movie. Well I'm sure point, it but... has not. Uh, also, physics, uh, just yeah. fucking wild. Curving bullets and shit. <laughs> yeah. Fucking wild shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the loom will tell us who to murder. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you have your own suggestions of like that kind of wild shit, uh, I'm tired of old dudes who have retired having something or someone they love killed and or taken and going to try to fucking avenge that i want to see other things Mm -hmm. Uh, at some point i anticipate there will be a movie about a child who goes to get revenge and i will watch that movie (laughs) i'm sure it'll be good (laughs) oh a child who goes to avenge the death of his parents but like as a child not like batman it's not like northman or batman yeah Yeah. no just like as a child yes absolutely Uh, it's like son of rambo or something (laughs) like which I know is another movie, completely different premise, but like there's something like that out there. <laughs> yeah, some some twelve year old on steroids fucking jacked. Yeah, and, it's uh, it's the inverse of kindergarten cop. It's the cop from kindergarten. Yeah. And <laughs> if I could just let him go. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, uh well, um with that, we have two recommends at this table. Ryan also is a recommend, but we're not honoring his recommendation. I know it's there. Has Ryan seen J- Jim Cotta? No, I but I has. know he would recommend it oh, just yeah, by proxy. He, he would like There's it, no yeah. way. Um th- with the things he's seen, uh yeah, he he would he would wholeheartedly recommend this movie. Yeah. Um maybe we'll talk about Mind Game at some point, but who not knows today. When? Yeah. Someday, someday soon. Um, but for now, uh, this has been your host, John Garcia, and with me as always, there he was, <laughs> Ryan King, everybody. <laughs> and also with us as always, Michael Dixon. Thanks for putting up with Ryan not showing up to this podcast recording. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.